0: Welcome to The Real Estate Espresso Podcast, your morning shot at what's new in the world of real estate investing. I'm your host, Victor Menashe. This is a real estate show, but if you're going to ask the question, where do I place my money? I think it's important to understand all of the different alternatives. On today's show, we're breaking down specifically how the low interest rate environment has translated into inflated asset prices in the stock market over the last few years. Unless you're deeply immersed in the system, it might not be obvious how and why that relationship has happened. We're going to connect the dots for you so you understand the compensation structures, how they're designed in most public companies, and how the structures are being manipulated to maximize compensation for directors and officers at the expense of investors. Let's imagine you're the CEO or the CFO of a public company. You negotiated bonuses and restricted share grants that reward officers of the company for improving the profitability of the company for shareholders. So far, so good. The key metric in the contract is earnings per share. In The good old days company executives focused on growth of revenue and growth of earnings as the pathway to maximize earnings per share. But growth is hard. It requires competing in the marketplace, winning market share from the competition. Revenue and earnings growth means having to hire and build more manufacturing, improve your marketing and strengthening the sales team, find more customers who are willing to buy more products from you at higher prices. This is the life of an entrepreneur and a business owner who wants to add value to the marketplace. Now, let's imagine the compensation structure for the executives of our example public company involves a stock option grant of 100,000 shares at the current market price of $10 a share. If the stock stays at $10 a share, the executives could go out and purchase the options at $10, but there's no point because they can only sell them for $10 in the open market. There'd be no reason to exercise the options at If the company, on the other hand, grows its revenue by 10%, and let's say that 10% growth in revenue results in a 20% growth in net earnings and profits, then all things being equal, we might expect the share price eventually over time to go up by 20% from $10 a share to $12 a share. That's the old-fashioned way of growing the earnings per share. The executives in our company, who received 100,000 stock options, would be sitting on a pay-per-profit of $2 per share, at least until they sell their shares for a total of $200,000 each. But remember, we're maximizing earnings per share. There's two ways to increase that metric. One is to increase the earnings. The second is to reduce the number of shares in circulation. If there's fewer shares in existence, then by definition, the earnings per share went up. Let's imagine that interest rates are really low. So the company can borrow money at a good interest rate. Paying additional interest increases the company's expenses. Therefore, it would reduce the company's earnings. So we really don't want to add very much in the way of expenses unless there's a really good reason for increasing expenses. But let's imagine we go out and borrow a bunch of money and the cost of servicing that debt reduces the earnings of the company by 5%. The money is pretty inexpensive. And for that amount of money, we can buy back 15% of the shares of the company. So now in our example, after you go through all the math, you discover you can increase the earnings per share by 11.8% simply by going out, borrowing a bunch of money with which to buy back the shares in the open market. So now you've burdened the company with a bunch of new debt that they will have to service for eternity or find a way to retire that debt out of future earnings. But you've increased the earnings per share by 11.8% just by going out and borrowing a bunch of money. Now you didn't have to do all that hard work of designing better products, getting new customers, growing the revenue, competing in the marketplace, and focusing on how to improve the efficiency of your operations to reduce expenses. You didn't have to do any of that hard stuff. You improved the profitability of the company when measured on an earnings per share basis by 11.8%, and you did it in two simple steps. You borrowed some money, and you bought back some shares. Voila, instant gratification. Oh, and by now, you've added $1. eighteen in value to the company's shares, and you've created $118,000 of value for each of your company's executive stock option plans. You figure the interest rates are going to stay low because the Federal Reserve chairman went on TV and pledged that interest rates would remain low for a long, long time. But these executives, they're going to retire soon. And if interest rates go up after the executives retire, servicing all that extra debt is going to be someone else's problem. Well, here are some statistics. In the third quarter of 2021, share repurchases in the S&P 500 totaled $234.6 billion. And for the 12 months ended September 31st, the share buybacks in the S&P 500 totaled $742 billion. This is not a small game. This is being played at a very high level. 309 companies out of the 500 in the S&P 500 reported share buybacks of at least $5 million for the quarter. And 7.4% bought enough shares in the third quarter to increase the earnings per share by 4% in a single quarter. If they did that every quarter they would be increasing the earnings per share by 16% a year without doing anything to improve the company's competitive standing in the market. Of course, by now, since the start of the year, we're seeing that it takes more than just share buybacks to sustain the growth of share prices. But meanwhile, these companies are now saddled with a lot more debt, and they'll need to find a way to repay that from future earnings. So when we say that so much of the money printed over the past two years during the pandemic went straight into Wall Street, this is what we're talking about. I believe as an investor, as a real estate developer, it's important to be engaging with businesses and investing in businesses to generate real value from creating real value in the marketplace. As you think about that, have an awesome rest of your day. Go make some great things happen. we will talk to you again tomorrow.